Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Can I tell you something this morning that as, as I, I'm an early riser, I don't know about you, um, I am an early riser, and so out of my hotel room this morning, um, I, I've never spent the night in Dumas, but I was excited to get up this morning, and, and out of the back of my hotel room was just this empty field, there was nothing back there except for a stray dog um, that was running in this field, but I, I thought this morning, as it just kept getting lighter and lighter, um, you know, the sun raises from the east and sets in the west. I was looking back towards the west, but I was reminded this morning that Christ is still alive. Amen? Today is still Resurrection Sunday. If you hadn't figured that out, Christ is still alive. He's still uh, doing miracles. He's still doing things that he promised that he would still do so many years ago. It's still fascinating to me that we assemble on a Sunday that we refer to as Easter when we as Christian people understand that I'll refer to it like this. Uh, to me, as a pastor, um, it, it always was Super Bowl Sunday to me. It was a good Sunday. Um, lots of people file in. But you know what? I, I feel like a lot of these people that file in really don't understand what Easter really is all about. Because if they did, they would return back today. That's why I want to tell you that Christ is still alive and he's still doing miracles today. My name is Shane Kendricks. I work for the Southern Baptist Texas Convention. I am honored to stand before you this morning and proclaim God's word. I am the regional catalyst for Northwest Texas. What that job is, are you ready for this? My job is to be a pastor to pastors. Um, take them to lunch and drink lots of coffee. I absolutely love it. If you would look at my body, you know I love to do two things, eat and drink coffee. And my family has figured out that Shane loves to do those things. Um, my 14-year-old son can, this is, this is how much he takes after me. We can just finish breakfast and he can say, hey, Dad, what's for supper? I don't know, son, but I know it's going to be good. I'm a food lover. Um, my doctor told me once when I moved from Oklahoma to take this new position about 15, 16 months ago, my doctor looked at me and said, Shane, you need to lose weight. And I said, great, I'll find a new doctor. Um, and so I still have the same one. She just don't say anything to me about my weight. Um, 
I had to go buy bigger clothes when I got this new job. But I love your pastor. Can I tell you that this morning? And I pray for your pastor on a regular basis. I oversee, I don't oversee anything, but I have about 260 churches in our state convention that, um, that I, I kind of am, you know, trying to go in and meet and take them to lunch and have lots of coffee with. And um, when you have 260 pastors that like to do the same thing I do, it's kind of hard to tell everybody, hey, I don't need to eat. But we do that a lot. But um, I, met, I met your pastor several, I guess it was a year ago, um, invited him to lunch with several other guys and just fell in love with him and his heart and knowing that he loves you, he loves this church, and he loves serving the Lord and loves preaching his word. But if you have a copy of God's word, that's what I do. Enough about me. We're here for Jesus. Amen. So if you have a copy of God's word, open to Luke chapter 24. As we celebrate, again, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we notice that in Luke chapter 24 that, that uh, it is the, the day of the resurrection. We know that we now come to that Easter Sunday, that first Easter that we <coughs> will celebrate and all of a sudden, here's the women. Y'all know the story, don't you, about the resurrection, how the ladies go to the tomb early that morning as the sun is rising, and all of a sudden they notice that Jesus is not there. Can I ask you something this morning? If you were in their place, wouldn't you be a little discouraged? This is yes, this is no. Would you be discouraged if you figured out that, hey, that what you saw all weekend long, here it is that Jesus going before Pilate, now he is, he is standing before all of these people. And, and, and this, is what I, this is what I don't understand, but I thank God that, that, that he did what he did in sending Jesus to die in my place, in your place. But as Jesus rode in on the triumphal entry, all these people that was praising Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, were some of the same people that were saying just a few days later, crucify, crucify. And I believe in my heart that some of those people were the same people that watched him raise Lazarus from the dead, watch him heal the sick, watch him do things, and they were astonished at the miracles that he could do and yet they truly didn't grasp who he truly was. And we fast forward to Sunday as the ladies go there and the Bible says that they noticed that Jesus wasn't there. But I want to back up for a minute and, and I want you to grasp in, in, in Luke 24, verse 12, and then I'll read in just a minute. But it said, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stopped to look in, he saw only the linen cloth, so he went away amazed at what happened. Uh, here it is that a man that, that followed Jesus for about three years and seeing everything that Jesus did was amazed at what was happening. Here it is that he's like, holy goodness gracious, he's not there. Did, I'm wondering if it ever clicked in his mind that here is Jesus that actually said, Hey, you put me to death and then I'll raise up three days later. Did it ever click in their mind? Now we come to a point where there's the end of the day. So they've spent all day. That was early in the morning. Now they, we kind of transfer over into later in the day in verse 13. And I'll read that. It said, now 
The same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Same day. We go from early morning now to kind of middle afternoon and we kind of transition into what's already happening, that Jesus is not in the grave. And it said that these two were walking back to their homes in in Emmaus. (coughs) Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. And when he asked them, what is the dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped and walked, as they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Then one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only one visiting in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that had happened in these last few days? What things, Jesus said to them. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people. However, our chief priests and leaders handed them over to to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all of this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astonished us. They arrived early at the tomb, and they did not find his body. They came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who was, that said he was alive. Some of these were with us when we went to the tomb and found it was as the women had said, but they didn't see him. But he said to them, how foolish And slow you are. Jesus said these things to them. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted from them the things concerning himself from all the scriptures. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to bless his word. And then we'll come back in a minute to finish this out. Father, Lord, I pray this morning. That, Lord God, that it's not me that stands here this morning, but, Lord God, you. Father, hide me behind your cross. Give me the words to say that you may increase and I may decrease this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time and your word. Father, thank you for what you sent your son Jesus Christ to do for us. Thank you that he is still alive today. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. I think two things that I see just in part of this that we read, but when you go back even to the verses of 13 and and, and following from there, I see two things. One, I see the discouragement of a confused heart. The discouragement of a confused heart. They were discouraged. They were walking alone, half believing and half doubting. As they heard, they heard the stories, but they were let down, and Jesus could tell them by by the way that they were acting that they were kind of discouraged. Did you catch what Jesus said to them? He said, uh, the Bible said that as they were walking and discussing and arguing. Can you imagine this morning? I, I grew up with siblings. Anybody else have any siblings that you grew up with? And how many of you that grew up with siblings would always have a discussion and argument time? Amen? Great. Because I'm going to tell you that I'm the baby of the family. 
And if you are the baby of the family, you're laughing because I know, you know. If you're the baby of the family, you always win the argument. Right? No. No? Maybe it was just in my house. I always won everything because I told them all the time, I'm the smartest and I know everything. My mom one time looked at me and said, Shane, you don't know nothing. And you know what? The older I get, I'm starting to realize I have no clue. So now, my mom and dad have passed away. They're in heaven, and I'm looking forward one day to seeing them so I could actually tell them everything that I put you through, my kids are putting me through. So just as your pastor said, I have four kids. I have two biological. My two oldest are biological. We adopted our two younger kids, and and as your pastor said that I was going to share a lot about James, I can actually say why we need Jesus. We're born sinners. We're born total depraved. We need Jesus. And my youngest one absolutely needs Jesus. So when I grew up, and and, and this is what I take, here it is that they were arguing. My my six-year-old James will argue with a donkey. I mean, he thinks he's always right. And if he doesn't get his way, he always punches somebody else. They went on a field trip Friday. My, wife, my wife's a speech therapist, and she works at the school that James's um, classroom is in. And dr- she dropped James off in his room at 740. At 7.50, my wife calls me and says, you're not going to believe what happened. And I said, yes, I will. What happened? She said, here they are. They're getting ready to go on a field trip, and somebody upset James, and what did they do? And I said, I have no idea. She said, James turned around and punched him. And I'm thinking, they've only been in school 10 minutes. And I said, send him to the office. She said, well, he's in the office. And I said, well, tell the principal to call me, and I'll say, hey, don't send him on the field trip. She said, that will ruin his day. Well, let's just ruin his day. My wife is different than I. She's sweet. Um, She's what holds us together. Um, we've been married 19 years, and so she holds us all together. But she said, no, let him go, and you talk to him when you, when you get home. And I said, okay. So as I was reading over this again Friday, I thought, can you imagine what I'm going to say to my six-year-old son about arguing and punching others when I used to do that to my brothers? Can you imagine what they were discussing and arguing about? One, I believe, would look at the other one, and one of them would say, I still don't believe that Jesus raised from the dead. The other one said, well, you're probably dumb. He did raise from the dead. He's not there. What do you think? And, you know, I I think that they were arguing so much that finally they were so discouraged at what they was hearing and what what they saw that Jesus wasn't there. But I love the question that they ask. We We thought that this was the time that he was going to restore everything back to Israel. Can you imagine that when they heard that, that they were discouraged? Have you ever been discouraged? You ever been to that point where in life you're so discouraged that, that you really just don't know what else to do in life? You just don't know where to keep going. You don't know how to keep pushing on. You don't know what to do because everything that you've seemed to be doing in the past has just really fallen apart. I, I kind of got discouraged in ministry. Uh, I, I can tell you that I've been discouraged in life. 2020 was just a discouraging year, wouldn't you agree? 
COVID has come out. We've had to shut the church down. And lo and behold, in the midst of that, we didn't meet for Easter. We didn't meet, you know, as a church that I was pastoring. And lo and behold, my dad was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Discouraging. My dad goes in the hospital and they do a PET scan on my dad and, and, and the doctor calls me because, you know, you can't get in the hospital. And the doctor says, Shane, your dad has lung cancer and it's taken up his whole right lobe of his lung and, and he's got a mass in his left lung and he's got a mass in his stomach and he's got a mass in his brain. I said, Shane, there is no hope. And, and I was discouraged and I asked the doctor on the phone. I said, well, doc, are you sure it's cancer? And the doctor said, Shane, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, and acts like a duck, it's a duck. And I said, right, doc. And, I, and I've never met the doctor, but, so he didn't know me. So since he didn't know me, I just said, well, doc, I don't know you that well. I just met you over the phone. I, I'm not real for sure you know what you're talking about. Can you send my dad somewhere else? And he said, Shane, I've been doing this for a long time. He said, I'm sorry to tell you, there's just no hope. I was so discouraged. I hung up the phone. I looked at my wife and I said, man, I don't know what we're going to do. We can't go to church because of COVID. I can't get into the hospital to see my dad. I'm so discouraged. Can I tell you something personally? That hurt me so bad that it sent me into a deep, dark depression where I would just sit in my house and I would turn all the lights off and I would just sit in a chair with what, no TV on, no lights on. I was so depressed because I was focused on myself and not everything else. And finally, I was so discouraged that I said, I told my wife, I said, man, if I would just listen to what I preach on Sunday." That our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in a risen Savior. Can I tell you this morning that it was easy for me to say Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. But I was so discouraged that I would leave church. And I would go home. I would play with my kids. And I'd tell my wife, I'm just going to go be by, be by myself. I finally got to talk to my dad on the phone. And I would remember telling my dad, Dad, hope is not lost. Everything's going to be okay. And my dad believed me when deep down inside, I was so discouraged. I was so confused. I had a hard time even praying. And I feel like that these men... And these women that went to the tomb that day felt the same way that I did. All hope was lost. But can you imagine the moment that they saw Jesus face to face, that all hope was restored? I'll never forget my hope was restored the moment that I got to seat my dad sitting in the hospital room. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, I believe everything's going to be okay. You see, my dad, at 74 years old, may have lost his earthly life, but he gained his heavenly life. You see, just because a few months before, my dad cried out to Jesus saying, would you save me? Just months before he was diagnosed with cancer,
You see, and in my pity, as in my dark times, as in my, my, my discouraging time, here it was I was focused on all of this and, and focused on myself except, instead of looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, because of what you did on the cross and what you did by the raising of the dead, what you did by the shame of your blood and the forgiveness of sin that we have because of what you've done, my Father now is meeting you face to face. You see, these people were discouraged. Church, we get discouraged when we look to ourselves instead of looking to all hope that is in Jesus Christ. That's why I told you this morning, did you realize that Jesus is still alive today? Do you believe that? I would think that if you believed that, you'd be a little more happier. Do you believe that this morning? Jesus is alive. And you know what? We don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to be like these disciples that, that was arguing and discussing. They, and listen, I believe that they were, they were truly to the point of just focusing on the, the things that already happened. Can you imagine everything that Jesus went through was because of us? I don't know about you. but We don't have to be discouraged. Because we know that as the sun came up this morning, he lives. And you see, I believe this morning too. Secondly, I believe the discovered of a challenged heart. Jesus met them. Jesus challenged them. But notice what Jesus did. You go back in verse 15, and while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But they were prevented from recognizing Jesus. They sought. They, Jesus sought them. Notice that Jesus sought them. Listen, while they were discussing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them. But verse 15, kind of this week, really kind of intrigued me a little bit as they were prevented from recognizing Jesus. I think just for a moment, this is what I kind of thought as I read and studied and read and studied and read and studied this. Well, why are we sometimes prevented from seeing Jesus? Y'all ever thought about why we're prevented from seeing Jesus sometimes? I think because we can get too prideful. Pride goes before the fall. We understand that, that hey, sometimes if we get too prideful, and I think sometimes as Christians, we can get pretty prideful. Amen? I don't know about you, but as a pastor, I could have got pretty prideful. For instance, I remember a pastor in a, a little small country church in, in, in about a 1,500 population town, and I'll never forget, God was doing some great things, but I'll never forget when somebody said, hey, what's God doing down there? And God is saving people, and God is leading people to him, and we're discipling people. All of a sudden, I got real prideful and said, man, I'm doing it all. Without missing a beat, I was doing it all. Did you realize that we didn't baptize anybody for the next four months? And I kept thinking to myself in a staff meeting, because we had a full staff, and, and I'll never forget sitting in a staff meeting one time. I was sitting there going, have y'all realized in, as a staff that we need to pray? We haven't baptized anybody in four months. And it took one of my staff members to say, well, Pastor, you remember when you said you were doing it all? And I said, no, nope, I don't remember that. And he said, 
And my staff could speak to me that way. You know, some of you are like, I wouldn't let them speak to me like that. I needed to be spoke to like that. Because it took my eyes off of what God was doing and put all the focus on what I thought I was doing when I was doing nothing. You ever thought about what Jesus says about how he is the, he is the, the vine and we are the branches? Y'all, y'all know that one in John? This is yes, this is no. Are you still with me? Yes, no? Do I need to, you know, I need to read it for you? Did you understand that as he is the vine and we are the branches, that if we cut ourselves off, what can we do if we cut ourselves off? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, it's kind of like my, my rose bush in my backyard. My rose bush is, is totally overgrown. And so this spring, as, as spring was coming, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of trim back that rose bush. And, you know, because they always say that if you will prune the rose bushes, you know, they'll grow and you'll get bigger roses. And, and, and I thought to myself, instead of buying roses for my wife, I'll just go cut these off and give them to my wife. That right there will save you money, men. Plant a rose bush. So what I did was, is I, I cut that rose bush back. And as I was trimming that back, I thought to myself, it's the same thing that Jesus is saying. If we cut ourselves off from him, we can absolutely do nothing. I kind of wonder that just if they were prevented from recognizing Jesus because of pride. I think sometimes we get prideful, we can't recognize Jesus. I think another thing too that helps us not recognize Jesus is the sin in our life. When we refuse to confess our sins before an almighty God. Did you realize this morning that every person sitting here this morning is a sinner? Yes, no, great, glad you're still with me. I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. But you know, until Jesus comes back for me, I'm still going to be a sinner. But I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. I still mess up, but I need Jesus. But I think sometimes when we get prideful, we don't confess our sins before Jesus because we think that we're okay. And I think it also prevents us from seeing Jesus. But notice that they were walking alongside and discussing and arguing, and Jesus was beside them. This is what I think, too. As Jesus was walking beside them, Jesus sought after them. Did you realize that I believe that that's something that Jesus is trying to teach us? That as Jesus sought after them, we should seek after others. Did you realize this morning that Jesus gave us the great commission to go therefore and what? Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we should go out and reach the lost. Because the lost is not just waking up every Sunday morning saying, I think I'll go to church today. We think that sometimes. Can I tell you as a pastor for 18 years as in the local church that I, I love the local church, I believe in the local church, that sometimes I would think, man, it would just be great if people would just wake up on Sunday morning just like you and say, I think I just need to go to church today. The church would be full of people, wouldn't it? Be great. It'd be easy. We would love that kind of evangelism where it'd be easy. But did you realize that even in the state of Texas, there are 20 million lost people. 
Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Just as Jesus sought these men, we ought to go out and seek those around us that doesn't know Jesus. And if there are 20 million lost people around us, I don't know what's the population of, of Dumas, 16, 17,000, something like that. Or is it, is it about that size? I think that there are lost people all around us. Would you agree with that? My question, church, is what are we doing to reach the lost? I'll never forget, I asked that question a couple weeks ago in a church. Um, I was preaching a different sermon in, in a different church, and uh, I'll never forget, I, I asked the question like that, church, what are we doing to reach the lost? And I'll never forget, I had one individual say, well, that's why we pay the pastor. Okay. And they were serious. And I thought, no, that's not even biblical. God called to us all to reach out. Can I tell you that you may be sitting there this morning and you may be thinking the same thing. And you may say, you know, Shane, one of the hardest things it is for me to do is to share the gospel with people. I've been a, I've been a Christian for 24 years been a pastor for 18 and can I tell you this morning that it's still difficult for me to share the gospel with people but can I tell you this morning that if we are seeking the face of God if we are really praying hard and if we're really doing the things that God's called us to do it's going to get easier because people want to hear the gospel you know what else they want to know they want to see us be authentic in everything that we do. I didn't get saved till I was 18 years old. My girlfriend at the time, which is my wife, began to invite me to church. She was a deacon's daughter, so she was really good at inviting people to church. And I'll never forget, I, I kept telling her, I'll go with you one of these days. I'll go with you one of these days. And I guess she got that training that, hey, if you keep asking and you keep bugging, maybe he'll just go. I got, I don't, men, I don't know about you, but I just got tired of, of her asking. I thought, my goodness, she's not going to give up. So I went. The guy was preaching, and I thought to myself, as he's preaching, he kept not, he, I, we sit in a sanctuary half this size, but I thought to myself, is he staring at me? Does he know me? Does he know everything that I've done? Because he's sure pointing out to me. And you know what? That was Jesus seeking me. And just as Jesus sought these men on the road that were discussing and arguing, I believe we've got to seek others. Because we live in a society today that is fascinated with trying to find hope in everything else other than Jesus. Church, I don't know about you. But we have a society of non-Christian people. We have a generation that has been lost because we have not shared the gospel. And I have a 14-year-old that if you take away his cell phone, he doesn't know how to function. We live in a society where you can get whatever you want now. That's what I love about Amazon. Man, you can order it and have it in two days. 
But what we need are hungry souls willing to share the gospel. You see, Jesus sought them. But notice, Jesus caught them. You see, in verse 17, the Bible says that they ask, what is the dispute that you're having with each other as you were walking? Notice as Jesus asked that question, they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Jesus stayed with them. Jesus caught them. But notice that Jesus was seeking after them and he got their attention. He caught their attention because he had the words that they were looking for. You remember that great song in Victory in Jesus? Oh, Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me. I know him. All love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Oh, how he sought me and he bought me. Jesus bought them with his precious blood, just like Jesus bought us with his cleansing blood. You see, the Bible says that if we'll draw closer to God, he'll draw closer to us, that Jesus has caught our attention every single day that we should just spend time with him. I had a guy one time say, have you ever heard God speak to you? And I said, every time I open the Bible. And you see, we're looking for answers. The answer is clear. It's in God's inerrant, infallible word. Jesus taught them. Jesus caught them. But notice that Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them. Jesus taught them the word of God. He opened the scriptures to them. Notice in verse 27, he began, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Jesus opened the word up to them. He began to explain that to them. Jesus also said in verse 32, he said, they said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Jesus taught them. Wasn't you taught the word of God? We ought to teach the word of God to others. Listen, somebody once told me, said, Shane, do you send your kids to church to hear the Bible talk to them? And I said, well, yeah, I do. But I don't believe it's the church's job to teach our children. I believe it's my job to teach my children the word of God. I think a lot of times, church, we get that backwards. We'll just send all of our kids. And listen, I don't know if y'all have Wednesday night children's programs, but I promise you if you do, you'll probably get a bunch of lost children in here that don't know the Word of God. Do you have that? We ought to teach them the Word. Teach them how much God loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Man, what would it be like if we would teach the Word of God? Can I tell you this morning that you have a pastor that will teach and preach the Word of God? And as a church, you ought to be excited about that because there's a lot of pastors today not doing that. That's a terrible that we have pastors not willing to teach the inerrancy of Scripture. 
But this is what I love in verse 32. Weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Our hearts burning inside of us. Wouldn't it be great to know that, hey, that moment that we got saved, that our hearts were burning with inside of us? Church, I believe this morning that our hearts ought to be burning more and more hotter for Jesus every single day. But sometimes it's not. This is what I believe. I believe this this morning, that I believe that the longer we're saved, we forget what it's like to be lost. The longer we're saved, we forget what it's like to be lost. And oh, what it would be like that if that moment that we could go back to our salvation for just a moment and say, you know what, that moment that we got saved, our fire was hot and everything around us was burning with inside of us because we experienced something new and great and his name was Jesus. I don't know about you, but I have a burning, I have a burning passion for Jesus. Because I have seen what Jesus has done in my life. I have seen everything that Jesus has done in my life and everything that I can tell you this morning that I am where I am today, not because of an education or because of, of, of anything that I do or have done. I am where I am today because of Jesus. I've got a few minutes and I'll share this story with you. Education is great. I believe in an education, and I believe I got a great education. But I still have a burning passion for Jesus. And you see, as a pastor, my wife looked at me one day and said, you love the calling upon your life, don't you? And I said, you bet. I can't do anything else. And when I say that, guys, I mean I can literally do, I'm not good at what I do, but I can do nothing else. If I, go to get, if I go to my garage and get a hammer and a screwdriver, my wife goes, please put it back. She will not, I mean, the only thing I can do in my house is change light bulbs. That is it. I mean, we had an air conditioner vent in my house that was kind of, the screw fell out. And my wife said, you're going to fix that? And I said, absolutely. I went, and got a, I went and got a screwdriver and a ladder, and I screwed it back in, and within three minutes, it fell back out. My wife said, I thought you fixed it. And I said, well, I can't do anything about it. I had to call somebody to fix that. That's, that's how I can't do anything, okay? You're looking at me going, well, some man you are, I know. I can't fix it. So if you have something that's broke, don't call me. I will give you my number. I will tell you who to call, but don't call me because I can't fix it. And you know what? And my dad was a cotton farmer. My dad could fix anything. And so I didn't get that, I didn't get that blessing gene, okay? I didn't get that. If I start getting screwdrivers, I'm messing everything up. But I love what I do. But my wife pointed that out to me one day. When my wife looked at me, and said, you love it so much, I'm leaving. Church, I looked at my wife, and I said, you can't leave. I'm the pastor of the church. 
all because I thought that I could do it myself. I am where I am today because of the grace of God. I looked at my wife and said, what is it that I need to do? She said, fix it. See, I wasn't an abusive husband physically, but I was an abusive husband mentally. I would come home and I'd say things to my wife that I'm not proud of. And my wife looked at me one day and said, my kids will not go back through this again. I went to my deacons and I looked at them and said, guys, I need help. I had 13 deacons that looked shocked, but I had one that said, I'm in the same boat you are, and here's what I did. And we walked through a journey for the next three years. Our marriage is stronger than it's ever been. We adopted two great kids that literally I think one's gonna throw me into shock until he gets Jesus. But when they said that our hearts, were, was our hearts not burning more powerful, more intense when he was speaking to us, here's what happened. I got to a point in life where I could do it all alone. Can I tell you that pastoring is lonely? And I thank God that I get to visit pastors and tell them my story, but I get to also say that the passion that I have for God is burning more in my life passionately than it ever has in the last 24 years. And I don't know about you, but I think some of us here this morning Walked in here with some discouragement. Walked in here with some heaviness. Walked in here with some disappointments. And just like me have thought, I can fix all of this. When I'm telling you today, apart from Jesus, you can't do anything. But I can tell you that with God... And that the more that we spend time with God and the things that we do with God and he teaches us every single day, we would begin to have a burning passion more for God. So here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Just as Jesus sought them and he caught them and he taught them and they said, wasn't our hearts burning deeper inside of us when he was speaking? How's your fire for God today? Because the same God that we sung about last week that went to the cross and he died for our sins and he went to the grave and as we sang this morning, up from the grave he arose is the same God we serve today. How's your fire? How's your passion 
How's your quiet time? How's your, how's your time with God? How's your Bible reading going? Can I tell you that sometimes we can hold the pastor accountable to make sure he, he's doing all that. Excuse me. He, he's doing all that. But what about you? Where are you? I pray this morning that whatever you came in here with, that we serve a God that can fix it all. Because I've seen it work. I'm a living testimony of what God can do when we give it all to him. Father, this morning, Father, as we come to this time, Father, it's my prayer that, Lord God, that whatever we've come in here with, that, Father, that maybe we've been blinded, I pray today that, Father, that we would confess sins to you, Father, that we would look to you, and, Father, this morning, we'd give it all to you, that we'd allow you to teach us your word, that it would burn deep inside of us. Father, we love you, and we thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.